Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. The Messiah, as R.T. France puts it in his commentary on Luke, is far more than the son of David, a power figure. He's actually also the Lord, Adonai, Kyrios, King. And my friends, the ultimate question in life for you and me is who is Jesus and is he King for me? And welcome to today's part of our journey together through the Bible, reading through every single word of God's revelation of himself and considering our own life and work stories in light of that, including this, do you know someone who wants to start kind of their own Bible reading, so to speak, in the book of Genesis. Well, Friday is going to end this trip through the Old Testament. And episode 2081, starting on Saturday, will begin again through the Old Testament. And uh, thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who shares, who prays, all of that. Turning to our New Testament segment, uh, we're going to have a little shorter New Testament segment today. So we can hear a segment of Job in whole. In our New Testament segment, you'll recall that when we left off, Jesus had just responded to the Sadducees as they tried to trap him in a question. Now remember, uh, in fact, according to Josephus, the Sadducees were one of three main schools of Jewish thought who, in contrast to the Pharisees and Essenes, gave no place to the overruling providence of God. Right? They emphasized that all that happens to us is the result of good or evil that we do. So not unlike people of today, they might lay claim to a way of life, but generally reject the supernatural. And many theologians think that the Sadducees generally only accepted the Pentateuch, right? that first five books, books of Moses, and accepted those as authoritative, which makes the very next comment in our reading kind of interesting. We pick up today in Luke chapter 20 at verse 41. Then he said to them, How can they say that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself says in the Psalms, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David calls him Lord. How then can the Messiah be his son? While all the people were listening, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive harsher judgment. He looked up and saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. And that gets us up through... 21, verse 4. Ah, my friends, paradoxically, the title 
that is the basis of Jesus's condemnation <laughs> declares the ultimate truth about him that as the son of David and the promised Messiah he's actually Lord and the ultimate question of course is well who is Jesus and is he king for me now turning to our Old Testament segment You'll recall that yesterday, Job recounted his former blessed life in society through his wisdom and righteousness, and he laments his present state of undeserved societal rejection, and then offered up a series of curses on himself to challenge his guiltiness in order to force God to reply. Now, today, we move into, in the book of Job, what is kind of like the intermission before the final act. We hear this new person on the scene, Elihu. And Elihu is going to declare four major truths about Job. And we're going to hear two of them today and two of them tomorrow. And, and tomorrow we'll summarize his big picture. Well, I'll probably do that today too. Anyway, picking up in Job chapter 32. And here we go. So these three men quit answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite from the family of Ram, became angry. He was angry at Job because Job had justified himself rather than God. He was also angry at Job's three friends because they had failed to refute him and, and yet had condemned him. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were all older than he but when he saw that the three men could not answer Job, he became angry. So Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite, replied, I am young in years while you are old. Therefore I was timid and afraid to tell you what I know. I thought that age should speak and maturity should teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in a person, the breath from the Almighty, that gives anyone understanding. It is not only the old who are wise or the elderly who understand how to judge. Therefore, I say, listen to me. I too will declare what I know. Look, I waited for your conclusions. I listened to your insights as you sought for words. I paid close attention to you, yet no one proved Job wrong. Not one of you refuted his arguments. So do not claim, we have found wisdom. Let God deal with him, not man. But Job has not directed his argument to me, and I will not respond to him with your arguments. Job's friends are dismayed and can no longer answer. Words have left them. Should I continue to wait now that they are silent, now that they stand there and no longer answer? I too will answer. Yes, I will tell what I know. For I am full of words, and my spirit compels me to speak. My heart is like unvented wine. It is about to burst like new wineskins. I must speak so that I can find relief. I must open my lips and respond. I will be partial to no one, and I will not give anyone an undeserved title. For I do not know how to give such titles, otherwise my Maker would remove me in an instant. But now Job 
pay attention to my speech and listen to all my words. I'm going to open my mouth and my tongue will form words on my palate. My words come from my upright heart and my lips speak with sincerity what they know. The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Refute me if you can. Prepare your case against me. Take your stand. I am just like you before God. I was also pinched off from a piece of clay. Fear of me should not terrify you. No pressure from me should weigh you down. Surely you have spoken in my hearing, and I have heard these very words saying, I am pure, without transgression. I am clean and have no iniquity. But he finds reason to oppose me, and he regards me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks, and he stands watch over all my paths. But I tell you that you are wrong in this matter, since God is greater than man. Why do you take him to court for not answering anything a person asks? For God speaks time and again, but, but a person may not notice it. In a dream, in a vision in the night, when deep sleep comes over people as they slumber on their beds, he uncovers their ears and terrifies them with warnings in order to turn a person from his actions and suppress the pride of a person. God spares his soul from the pit, his life from the crossing of the river of death. A person may be disciplined on his bed with pain and constant distress in his bones so that he detests bread and his soul despises his favorite food. His flesh wastes away to nothing and his unseen bones stick out. He draws near the pit and his life to the executioners. If there is an angel on his side, one mediator out of a thousand to tell a person what is right for him and to be gracious to him and say, spare him from going down to the pit. I've found a ransom. Then his flesh will be healthier than in his youth and he will return to the days of his youthful vigor. He will pray to God and God will delight in him. That person will see his face with a shout of joy and God will restore his righteousness to him. He will look at men and say, I have sinned and perverted what was right, yet I did not get what I deserved. He redeemed my soul from going down to the pit and I will continue to see the light. God certainly does all these things two or three times to a person in order to turn him back from the pit so that he may shine with the light of life. Pay attention, Job, and listen to me. Be quiet. I will speak. But if you have something to say, answer me. Speak, for I would like to justify you. If not, then listen to me. Be quiet, and I will teach you wisdom. Then Elihu continued, saying, Hear my words, you wise ones, and listen to me, you knowledgeable ones. Doesn't the ear test words as the palate tastes food? Let us judge for ourselves what is right. Let us decide together what is good. For Job has declared, I'm righteous, yet God has deprived me of justice. Would I lie about my case? My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. What man is like Job? He drinks derision like water. He keeps company with evildoers and walks with wicked men, for he has said, A man gains nothing when he becomes God's friend. Therefore listen to me, you men of understanding. It is impossible for God to do wrong and for the Almighty to act unjustly. 
For he repays a person according to his deeds, and he gives him what his conduct deserves. Indeed, it is true that God does not act wickedly, and the Almighty does not pervert justice. Who gave him authority over the earth? Who put him in charge of the entire world? If he put his mind to it and withdrew the spirit and breath he gave, every living thing would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I have to say. Could one who hates justice govern the world? Will you condemn the mighty, righteous one who says to a king, worthless man, and says to nobles, wicked men? God is not partial to princes and does not favor the rich over the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. They die suddenly in the middle of the night. People shudder and then pass away. Even the mighty are removed without effort. For his eyes watch over a man's ways and observes all his steps. There is no darkness, no deep darkness, where evildoers can hide. God does not need to examine a person further that one should approach him in court. He shatters the mighty without an investigation and sets others in their place. Therefore he recognizes their deeds and overthrows them by night, and they are crushed. In full view of the public, he strikes them for their wickedness, because they turned aside from following him and did not understand any of his ways, but caused the poor to cry out to him, and he heard the outcry of the needy. But when God is silent, who can declare him guilty? My friends, that just chokes me up. I'm just going to read that last verse, that last line again. When God is silent, who can declare him guilty? When he hides his face, who can see him? Yet he watches over both individuals and nations so that godless men should not rule or ensnare the people. Suppose someone says to God, I have endured my punishment. I will no longer act wickedly. Teach me what I cannot see. If I have done wrong, I won't do it again. Should God repay you on your terms when you have rejected his? I'm going to say that again. Should God repay you on your terms when you have rejected his? You must choose, not I, so declare what you know. Reasonable men will say to me, along with the wise men who hear me, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without insight. If only Job were tested to the limit because his answers are like those of wicked men. For he adds rebellion to his sin. He scornfully claps in our presence while multiplying his words against God. And that, my friends, gets us up through Job 34. So catch this. Here are Elihu's four points that he makes today and tomorrow. The first two he made today. God is not silent. God is not unjust. And tomorrow we're going to hear him make the point God is not uncaring, and God is not powerless. 
Now, interestingly, he concludes that Job must necessarily be suffering for his sin, which was actually a wrong conclusion. We'll come back around that till <laughs> that tomorrow. We're going to wrap up today, though, with a wisdom segment that is the shortest psalm in all 150 psalms. Psalm 117 is a little psalm, but it's got a big message, and it's kind of a universal call to praise. Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify Him, all peoples. For His faithful love to us is great. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. I like that. My friends, if you didn't catch yesterday's uh, Practice the Way segment, uh, I kind of riffed off both Job and a guy named Andrew Brunson. And if you go find Practice the Way segment number 220, you'll find a link to this free video series. It's like seven videos that are about 15 minutes each that are just brilliantly done. And a key question that he had to wrestle with when he spent two years in a Turkish prison under trumped-up charges was, who gets to be God? Who am I going to trust? My friends, if there's a lesson from Psalm 117, it's that the nations should worship the Lord because of His eternal covenant love and faithfulness. And as Elihu put it, God is not silent. God's not unjust. And we're going to hear him say God's not uncaring. He's not powerless. But unlike Elihu, we must not conclude that Job must necessarily be suffering for sin. And importantly, the gospel that we are, we don't experience perfect justice meaning we get good things if we're good and bad things if we're bad. No, the gospel is that Jesus took the bad in our place. The Messiah, my friends, is far more than the son of David, a power figure. He's the Lord. He's the king. And the ultimate question in life is, who is Jesus and who is he for me? Is he king for you. Lord God, I just pray for whoever might be listening right now. Lord, you know whether it's now or a year from now, Lord, whoever's listening to this right now, you know that they're listening. And Lord, I just pray that you'll just, your compassion and love will just touch their heart. Lord, Lord, that, that the king of the universe wants to offer clemency and mercy and lord that they would not only respond or respond again but just feel that sense of peace that comes when our sins are covered by the blood of jesus i love you my friends amen amen